Awesome, awesome. To the furniture movers, yeah, all right. <laughs> awesome, well that was fabulous, wasn't it? Awesome, awesome. So um, I, I, it's my job to chase that for just a few seconds. Uh, we're going to look at God's Word together. We're, we're in this Advent series, and we're working our way through themes that are tied to those candles, uh, you know, the Advent candles of hope and, uh, let's see, what are they, hope and peace and joy and love and then Christ. It's the last one. So we've, we've looked at hope, and we've looked at um, peace, and now we're going to look at joy today. And uh, we're working our way through Matthew 1 and 2, and we come to chapter 2 today, and the first verses there in chapter 2 are all about a famous story about the, the magi, the, the wise men who come and visit uh, Jesus. So what, what I want to do this morning, we want to look at that passage, because that's our passage for the week, and I just, I don't have a lot of time, but I just want to show you a few things here uh, quickly. Um, I, I want you to think for just a moment about, uh, imagine you were reading this for the first time. Imagine Matthew's written his gospel, and uh, you're hearing the story for the, for the very first time. And so you don't know who Jesus is. You don't know much. All you know so far in the book of Matthew is that he is son of David, son of Abraham, Messiah, right? We know he's now adopted as Joseph's son. We know the names Emmanuel, God with us, and we know the name Jesus, Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. That's all we know. That's all we know. And all of a sudden, a troop of crazy wise men from somewhere far off show up at the manger scene, and we have to ask, what is Matthew doing here? (laughs) What is he trying to show us? And what I want to show you this morning is that Matthew's giving us three kind of sneak peeks, a little preview of the life of who Jesus is and who he will become over time in this text. So let's uh, grab our Bibles. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12 this morning. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. This is page 807 over to 808 in the Black Pew Bible that's in the rack by your knees. If you didn't bring a Bible and want to grab that, you can pull it out and join us. 807, 808. We're going to see three things, three things that Jesus is today. We're going to see that he's the promised one, he's the king of kings, and he's joy to the world. Okay, very Christmas title, Christmassy titles, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so here we go. All right, the promised one, king of kings, and joy to the world. First, he's the promised one. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 6 here. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." Israel. Pause there just for one moment. So chronologically, just so we have a reference point here, uh, we are now several months after Jesus is born. Luke tells us that the very first visitors to the manger scene 
were uh, the shepherds, right? Remember this? The shepherds, the dirty, smelly old riffraff shepherds, they're the ones who come in. Now, um, because of the timing of the star and whatnot, we we know that this is a little bit later. They're now in uh, apparently a house of some kind, and so uh, we were several months removed here in this second uh, visitation. These are magi. Magi is the word actually in the, in the, in the text. Magi were astrologers. Uh, they were magicians, if you will. They were most typically associated with Babylon to the east, and so this is likely where they're from. They have traveled 550 miles, two months of journey by camel, right, or by beast of burden across uh, this area, they are now coming. They're not technically kings, even though our songs call them kings, but they are very wealthy, and uh, we're not told how many there are, um, although we have three gifts, right? So it's probably quite an entourage, but not so large so as to uh, be terribly uh, crowded, but there they are. They have seen a celestial sign of some kind. Uh, we're not told exactly what this is. The word is translated star, but it means celestial object. It could be a comet, it could be a supernova, it could be a planetary conjunction, or uh, maybe uh, some planetary movement within a constellation. We really don't know what happened. We know that it rose and it moved, and we know that they saw its significance. They said, this means there is a newborn king of the Jews. Now, how, here's my question, how did they figure that out? Were they just looking at the sky and they said, you know, ah, something weird happened and they put it to, I don't think so. I, there's actually a prophecy. I don't know if you know this. There's a prophecy way back in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 24. This is what it says. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now, here's what's interesting. Do you know who gave this prophecy? Do you know? Balaam. If you know the story, Balaam is the pagan seer, the king of Moab, hired to curse the Israelite people when they were going into the land. And he tried three times to curse Israel, and every time he opened his mouth, it came out blessing. <laughs> it's got the donkey that talks to him. Remember, do you, how many of you remember something of this story? So this is a pagan seer, an astrologer. Here's what's interesting. In tradition, he is the very first magi. Interesting. The magi trace their roots back to Balaam of, uh, right here. Now, here's what's interesting. So this prophecy uttered on the lips of a pagan seer is preserved now in the Hebrew tradition in our scriptures, but also would have been preserved in the Magi tradition that gets passed all the way down into Babylon. And so what you have is this, this prophecy that has two tracks as it's being preserved. God's people know about it because it's about their king, but so do the Magi. So do the astrologers. And so I think they're looking in their ancient texts, they're watching this stuff, and all of a sudden this sign occurs. And so they come. Now in this entourage, would they, they go into a Jerusalem, which is the city of the king. And of course, that's where the king would be, you would think. They go into Jerusalem, and they find out, no, you've been slightly misdirected here. You need to go five and a half miles to the south, to Bethlehem. That's the city of David. That's where the 
king will be born. Micah 5.2 says, Out of you, Bethlehem, shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Matthew is giving us a preview here, a little sneak peek that Jesus is the promised one. He is the one who will change the world. He is the hope bringer. He is the curse breaker. He is the serpent stomper. He is the death defeater. He is the covenant keeper. He is the land inheritor. He is the sin atoner. He is the throne establisher. He is the enemy conqueror. He is the prophecy fulfiller. He is the peace bringer. He is the truth revealer. He's the life giver, the guilt bearer, the resurrection wielder, the fear abolisher, the spirit sender, the soul healer, the grave destroyer, the heaven opener. He is the promised one. He will come and all the hopes and all the fears of all the years will be met in him tonight. This long-awaited child, this chosen one is here. And he comes, as Jesus will say, I have come to bring you life and life more abundant. And this is your promised one, friends. This is the long-awaited one. This is a preview, the promised one of God. Number two, he's the king of kings. Look at verses seven and eight. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, we know from the rest of this story, and we know from tradition, and we know all this, Herod doesn't want to worship him, does he? Herod is threatened by Jesus, by the presence of a king. Uh, Herod, Herod, we know from history, is paranoid. He's ruthless. He had killed family members. He killed even his own son in order to not have his throne divided from him. This is a monster, (laughs) and uh, he's gathering intelligence here. He's, uh, he's threatened by him, and he hopes to snuff the little baby Jesus out. And again, we're seeing a preview here. Matthew, is, it's a sneak preview of, of what's coming. Jesus is the promised one. He is hope for the world. Uh, he is the one who brings life, but he's also a threat, isn't he? He's a threat to the establishment. He comes as a servant to bring hope and life and peace and salvation to the world, but he also comes as a king. And as a king, king of kings, lord of lords, there is only one thing to do before a king. What is it? Bow down and worship him. And Herod is threatened by the authority of Jesus. This is a hint, a preview. Of all that's coming, the Pharisees will be threatened by the authority of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, all authorities everywhere are threatened by the authority of King Jesus. Do you know this? Even to this very day. If you go to China, Christianity is viewed as liberal, right? Because the authority is vested in the state, and Jesus comes and threatens the authority, and so it's viewed as liberal because it's, it's freeing the people from the government control and authority. So Christianity is a very liberal religion in China. 
But here in the West, where authority is seated not in the state, but in the individual, the autonomous individual self, where we decide what's true, we decide what's real, we decide what we want to do, Christianity is viewed as very conservative because it is a threat to the authority of the individual self. But you see, it's operating in the same way. Jesus as king always threatens the authorities wherever it's seated, whether it's in the state or in the individual self. Jesus comes, friends, to bring abundant life in the kingdom of God, but the only way we get it is when we bow and worship the king. It's the only way we come alive. It's the only way we find freedom. It's the only way we get life. And so many of us get hung up right there, don't we? We want to have our cake and eat it too, right? We want, we, want to, we want to be able to have life but have it on our terms. And Jesus says, I can't bring you that kingdom. The kingdom of life requires that you come like these wise men and bow and worship. See, really, it divides, doesn't it? Jesus coming as king, it divides. There's people who bow and worship, and then there's people like Herod who say, I'm going to do whatever I can to silence Jesus so I don't have to listen or deal with him. The thing is, the thing that we don't like about authority is it so often turns oppressive, right? It does. But you realize Jesus is not like that. Jesus is a servant king. He comes to lay down his life for his people. This is a king like no other. This is a non-oppressive authority. You can bow and worship him. He's the promised one. He's the, he's the king of kings. And then finally, he's joy to the world. He's joy to the world. Look at verses 9 to 12. After listening to the king, they, the magi, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Finally, they arrive, and they're seated there. They come, they see the child with Mary, they fall, they worship, and they give these luxury gifts fit for a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And unbeknownst to them, they're dramatizing the ancient prophecies and longings of Isaiah. I don't know if you know this. Listen, listen, this is amazing. Isaiah 60, verses 1, 3, and 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, and the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. See, Isaiah here is dreaming out loud. He's, he's thinking of a day of Israel's renewed glory when everything is set right. And, and the vision is the nations would stream like they did back in the day with Solomon, where the Queen of Sheba came and offered gifts to Solomon and, and came to see what the Lord had done. Isaiah is saying, One day it'll be like that again. 
The glory will come. The nations will stream. They will bring good news and worship from the ends of the earth. And the Lord will be exalted. And again, this is a preview. It's a sneak preview of the glory that's coming, not just for, for Israel, but for the nations. Because Jesus is coming. Listen, this is amazing. This is a book written by a Jewish man to a Jewish people about a Jewish Messiah. And the very first major scene we have is Gentile, pagan astrologers coming and kneeling before Jesus. This is crazy stuff. This is a preview that Jesus will save his, not just his people from their sins, but will save all people from their sins. He is coming that Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, men, women, and children, everyone, every nation, every tribe, every language, every people, every tongue might come and be redeemed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the most inclusive Savior the world has ever seen. In fact, exclusively so. He's the only one like this. There's no one like him. Anyone can come to Jesus. And it is a preview, don't you see, of the Great Commission that Matthew is going to give us at the very end of his book. When Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And Matthew here is bookending his gospel. Do you see this? With purpose. At the very beginning, you have the nations coming with gifts and good news to worship King Jesus. And at the end, in Matthew 28, you have the disciples now commissioned by Jesus to go and bring the gift of good news to the nations that they might worship King Jesus. Do you see the parallels? It's bookended on purpose. And in all of this, do you see that Matthew is giving us a sneak peek? A preview of all of what's coming in the life of Jesus himself. He is the promised one. He is the one with abundant life. He's the king of kings before whom we worship and bow down. He is joy to all the world. The hope of the nations. So what's our takeaway? If we had to wrap this up, put a bow on it, what would we say? Let's joyfully worship King Jesus, friends. Let's joyfully worship King Jesus this Christmas. I know it's busy. I know you. How many of you gotten all your shopping done so far? How many? Oh, I feel so sorry for most of you. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't even started. <laughs> no. Uh, listen. Listen, I know we got a lot to do. There's parties like every night. This Christmas feels so rushed, doesn't it? I think Thanksgiving was like super late, and so you have just like, we have less than 28 days between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year, so it's like super crushed in, we have only have like three weekends, it's nuts! You got parties and, and everything's going on, shopping and all the stuff, right? All the things. 
But in the midst of all of that, let's, let's not forget what it's really all about. You know, the, the, the wise men had plenty to do. Don't you think? They were busy people. They had stuff going on. And they say, we're going to spend two months pilgrimaging to come and worship the newborn king. And in the midst of all of our hustle and bustle, let's not forget that. Let's not forget what really matters. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship him, the newborn king. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Oh, Father, we thank you (laughs) that you sent Jesus to change the world, to bring us life, to be our king, to be joy to the nations. And, Father, we get to be a part of this grand story, not just as we imitate you, but as we worship you, as we seek your face. Father, in the midst of all the hectic stuff of Christmas. Father, help us to pause and let the wonder in to see you, to worship you. You deserve it all.